It's the Pete Callender Show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Callender is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time. Because he's a giver. And now, here's Pete. What is going on? Welcome to the show. It is October 22nd, 2020, and uh, thanks so much for joining me. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the show. And thank you to patrons like Terry and Teresa, Mary, Theodore, Elizabeth, Sarah, Kathleen, Phil, Matt, Jason, Marlene. Couldn't do the show without you guys. I appreciate it. They became patrons supporting the program, and you can as well just by going to thepetecalendarshow.com and uh, clicking on the link that's at the top there. Uh, you can also find the links in the description of this here podcast. So the governor of North Carolina yesterday told everybody, so sorry, we're going to stay in phase three and you guys really need to shape up and get to wearing the masks and get to the social distancing and get to washing your hands because it's your fault that the numbers are increasing yet again. Okay, so we're going to get into some of that. But I also want to tell you about the Husqvarna fall sale going on at General Equipment Rental right now all through the month of October. So you only have about eight days left or nine days left through Halloween, October 31st, the Husqvarna fall sale. Go to General Equipment Rental or go to their website, generalrents.com, and you can see all of the equipment that they've got. Gas-powered equipment, battery-powered equipment, big stuff, small stuff, whatever you need, they've got. And uh, they are the official licensed Husqvarna sales and service center here. So uh, you're not going to find better deals right now on yard equipment from Husqvarna, stuff like uh, leaf blowers, saws and trimmers, lawn mowers. They've got, you know, for professionals, they've got stand-on mowers. They've got riding mowers for folks with large properties. Uh, they also have, uh, you know, smaller push mowers as well. So they've, they, and they've got the automatic uh, auto mower, this thing's like a Roomba for your yard. It's fantastic. Go check out the details at generalrents.com. You can get pre-qualified there for 0% APR for 48 months and learn all about commercial fleet discounts. General Equipment Rental in Weaverville. It's at the intersection of Merriman Avenue and Reams Creek Road. Family owned and operated for three generations and sponsors of this program. So uh, help them out. Support the businesses that support the programming that you like. General Equipment Rental in Weaverville. Generalrents.com and think outside your toolbox. So uh, the North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services issued a letter yesterday to county officials and leaders asking them to consider creating ordinances to, quote, help slow the spread of the virus and enforce various COVID-19 restrictions. Our friend A.P. Dillon at the North State Journal writes, quote, the NCDHHS letters or letter places the onus on cities and counties to increase COVID-19 restrictions with accompanying civil penalties beyond what is currently in place at the local level to increase compliance with Governor Cooper's executive order. Uh, let me go to the audio from yesterday's COVID news briefing where Governor Cooper discusses this very letter. We need everyone's leadership in this moment talking about wearing a mask, waiting six feet apart and washing hands. The letter went on to also went to counties that have been experiencing increased viral spread and it laid out steps that they can take to slow infections. These include using civil penalties or fines for violating safety rules. 
The letter also proposes that some counties should consider going beyond the statewide executive orders in ways such as lowering their local mass gathering limit or ending alcohol sales before the statewide requirement of 11 p.m. Our local partners are key allies as we continue to fight COVID-19, and their work is vital. We hope our local communities can work with us to move some of our troubling trends in the right direction. All right. So according to NCDHHS, the letter was sent to counties that had 300 or more new cases in the last two weeks and, and on top of that, has been, quote, identified by the White House task force as a county of concern. NCDHHS says that that means counties where the rate of cases is more than 50 per 10,000 people or is one of the three most populous counties in the state. <laughs> so if you're top three population in North Carolina, you got the letter and then all of the others uh, had to have had 50 cases per 10,000 and had 300 or more new cases in the last 14 days. Now, if you've been listening to this show, you know that how they determine the cases is kind of suspect because they're relying on these PCR tests rather than the rapid antigen tests. Now, by the way, we'll get into some of that, uh, the antigen testing uh, on a later show. But North Carolina now has gotten some of these antigen tests. The PCR tests are a mite sensitive, as we went over with John Sanders on Friday. Um, the following counties so far have gotten this letter. Alamance, Avery, Burke, Caldwell, Caswell, Catawba, Chowan, Chowan, Chowan. I never know how to pronounce that county's name. <laughs> Chowan, Cleveland, Craven, Cumberland, Davidson, Duplin, Edgecombe, Gaston, Graham, Green, Guilford, Hoke, Hyde, Johnston, Lincoln, Mecklenburg, Moore, Nash, New Hanover, Onslow, Pitt, Randolph, Robinson, Rockingham, Rowan, Scotland, Union, Wake, Watauga, and Wayne. I think that's like every county. In, there's only a hundred of them. <laughs> that's all of them. I would point out Buncombe is not on this. Buncombe County not on the list here. Um, all right, so now here is the letter I've gotten from, <clears throat> this was the one that they sent out to all of the counties, uh, where uh, it's addressed to Dear Municipal Leaders, thank you for participating in the recent call with Mandy Cohen, Health Secretary. Um, along with, the, with these groups, we ask for your continued help in the fight. As discussed, we are seeing concerning trends in case counts and hospitalizations in our state and nationally. So, All right, so what, what happens nationally is, I mean, you're always going to have you're always going to have case counts going up nationally, are you not? This is what I mean. Like the virus is going to virus. It's going to spread. There is there is no way to reduce the case counts. There's no way to do that because the case counts will have to go up as more cases get identified. And cases, remember, just means somebody tripped positive on the PCR test. And the way you trip positive on the test is... Well, it's different state to state, and the number of cycles that they use in their tests can get really, really, really granular, like at the molecular level, basically, and they can find these remnants, these wisps of uh, of virus. That doesn't mean you're infectious. It doesn't mean you're sick. It doesn't mean anything other than they found some trace elements of this COVID-19 in your system. That counts as a case. Is that a fair count? I would submit it's not, because when most people think cases, they think 
people who are sick and contagious, which is why the antigen tests are superior because uh, they let you know that somebody is contagious. They, they have it right now. Like, oh, <coughs> I feel sick. Like, hey, take an antigen test. Oh, boom, you've got it. Like, that's that's the helpful feature <laughs> of the antigen test. Um, let's see here. It says, uh, as discussed on the calls, our first best approach to continuing to slow the spread is to win the hearts and minds of North Carolinians with the three W's. I find this interesting to win the hearts and minds of North Carolinians. I, you know, I don't know, call me crazy, but maybe if you're trying to do that, maybe you should try to speak to the people that are most suspicious of you. And right now, that would be, generally speaking, Republicans. <laughs> but there are a lot of other people that are very suspicious of Governor Cooper because a lot of these actions he has taken have gone far beyond uh, what initially was proposed to all of us. Like when we went from, you know, flattening the curve to prevent the overwhelming of the hospitals to now basically waiting on a vaccine to eradicate the virus completely or else we'll never be able to resume life as normal. Um, do... Uh, they told the uh, um, these local leaders to do ads and media interviews. <clears throat> they said, we want you to consider additional local actions to improve compliance. Uh, bullet point number one, the beatings should continue until morale improves. <laughs> Just kidding. It doesn't say that, but it should. <laughs> I mean, it might as well. Uh, here they offer up some helpful examples. That they could, you know, you could adopt an ordinance that imposes a civil penalty or a fine. Now, this is interesting because when you start uh, uh, creating these interactions between law enforcement, particularly when you're going to start fining people and attaching penalties to it, uh, you now increase the chances of having uh, more police brutality events occur, which then lead to more riots and, and looting and all of that. Again, there is this connection that the left never seems to understand. We went over this at the very beginning of the pandemic when Buncombe County first started looking at this and adopted its mask mandate. And what did they say? They say it would be a civil penalty, but we're not going to enforce it because we don't want to put anybody into the criminal justice system. In other words, minority people. I think they're OK with sending white people into the criminal justice system, but they didn't want to be seen as creating another avenue for people of color to be going into the justice system, to be interacting in the courts because they weren't wearing a mask. So they're very sensitive to this. So how can we force people to wear their masks without the threat of punishment? This is the the great challenge. It's a conundrum. They they want so much for you to just do what they say, um, but they don't want to be seen as being mean about it. And, you know, they don't want a lot of people in their base to be upset with them for creating, again, another pathway into the criminal justice system. So uh, maybe you could create a civil penalty or fine for violating the provisions of a local ordinance or, or issue a local emergency proclamation that addresses the pandemic. Apparently, there are a lot of places that still haven't done so. Um, we have attached sample language for your consideration. Oh, how very considerate, uh, such as imposing fines for businesses that do not enforce the mask requirements. So it's always easy to go after the businesses because, you know, businesses, they're rich, particularly right now in the pandemic. Also, you could establish lower mass gathering limits. I know we say 25 inside and 50 outside, but if you want to go, you know, fewer than that, you go right ahead and do that. 
curtailing the sale of alcohol earlier than 11 p.m. I mean, the state says 11, but if you want to go, you know, ban it all together, blue laws, here we come, you go right ahead and do that. It's for the public health. Do you want people to die? You could close high-risk venues like bars and night spots, which I thought were already closed, unless, of course, you're counting the bars at the restaurants or the bars that are breweries. Those are allowed to be open, so you want to go and close those, I guess you could try to do that. You could also limit restaurant service even further, because restaurants, again, flourishing in the pandemic. That's what's happening there. Support your local health director in the utilization of their authority to issue and enforce an imminent hazard abatement order, or as I like to call it, the AHAO, the IHAO. Um, it uh, You could use this against entities whose actions, including failure to comply with the governor's executive order, present an imminent hazard to your community. See? So you can use the governor's executive order as the reason to go crack down on businesses, right? Here comes the crackdown. As expected, as predicted, um, I didn't think he would actually mention this before the election, but this is what's in store after the election, I'm almost certain, because he's keeping us in phase three for three more weeks, which is enough to get us past the election, right? That's the point here. Um, so, no, I am sorry uh, to decree to one and all, there is no good news in the land of Roy. Because several of our trends are moving in the wrong direction, North Carolina will remain paused in phase three for the next three weeks. We hope that greater enforcement, strong community leadership, and more people doing the right things can lower these numbers. It's critical that we take this time to focus on the basics. Yes, wear a mask, wash your hands, wait six feet apart from other people. These are the habits that helped lower our numbers over the summer, and they are still our best tools. Are they? Look, I, I again, I'm not trying to tell people or dissuade people from doing things that, that they think works, okay? And I'm not trying to tell you, like, I'm a scientist or anything, and I definitely don't want to be responsible for people making bad decisions um, and, uh, you know, putting themselves in harm's way. However, uh, I do think it's important to point out here that if you're going to say these are the things that worked over the summer, um, the numbers went up during the summer. So I'm unclear <laughs> as to how these are the things that worked. The mask mandate went into effect in June. Numbers kept going up and up and up, and I kept saying, gee, I wonder if the numbers are going up because it has something to do with all of the protests going on all around America. Remember, that was May, June into July. That's when we saw the numbers go up. And the numbers haven't been, by the way, the numbers haven't really come back down. They've gone up. I mean, case numbers, they go up, they've dipped down a little bit, and then they continue to go up all after the mask mandate. So I'm not clear as to what kind of data he's using here to say that, you know, summertime was this, you know, this great example of it all working. Now, speaking of working, you want your real estate agent to work for you, and that is why people use Rowena Patton and her all-star powerhouse team, because she will get your house sold quickly and for more money. That's what she does. She's been doing it for years. She outsells 99% of the realtors in North Carolina. She is also the official Homes for Heroes agent in Asheville. Uh, this is a national program. 
that gives buyers and sellers 25% back from the realtor commissions, goes to police officers, firefighters, healthcare professionals, educators, and members of the military. Whether you are a veteran, active duty, retiree, doesn't matter. You can be part of this program. She's given back almost $800,000 to local folks in those professions. Give her a call at 333-4483 or at mountainhomehunt.com and start packing. So uh, Governor Cooper, though, wants you to know throughout all of this that he feels your pain, even though he doesn't ever really talk about it and talk about like the trade-offs all of his decisions have made, uh, you know, for us, uh, you know, the increased number of, you know, suicide and depression and alcoholism and, uh, you know, people putting off cancer screenings, hospitals not booking these things, people dying of all these other related uh, or, un, you know, unrelated to COVID diseases and such. Um he never talks about those trade-offs, but he does want you to know he feels your pain, and he also lays out a really scientific case here for the mask wearing. As this pandemic continues, I know that it's tiring and difficult to keep up our guard, especially when we're gathered with people we love. But it's necessary. No one wants to spread COVID-19 accidentally to friends or family. And so we must keep prevention at the forefront. Wearing a mask shows that you care about people. It's more for them than for you. Wearing a mask is an easy way to protect our communities and to look out for each other. Confronting the virus head on and doing our part as individuals is good for our health and it's good for our economy. Let's keep working together. Let's keep doing what works. And let's stay focused every day on our fight against this virus. So the science there, in case you missed it, um, it was that uh, masks show you care about people. And uh, it's easy. That's the science. Contrary to other science that shows aerosolized viral uh, uh, strains do not actually get picked up in the micro droplets. And once it's aerosolized, it goes right through the mask and around the mask and stuff like that. So uh, rather than that science and also, oh, and also not the science, the meta analysis of like 19 studies that the DHHS used itself right before it issued the mask mandate, their meta analysis, in other words, the study of all these studies uh, found that there was no benefit for the masks. I don't know if masks work. Again, I, I always feel the need to say this. I don't know if they work or not. I just know that I've got scientists saying they don't. And I got scientists and politicians saying that they do and using this as uh, as a, you know, a, as a weapon, basically, against their political opponents, as Cooper did during the debate against Dan Forrest. When you disagree with them, it, they weaponize this and say you don't care about people and you're trying to get them killed. It's just disgusting to me when you don't know as much as I don't know. And we're like, we're trying to figure this out. And if I'm simply going to ask, hey, do these things work? Or here's another thing. Do they actually create more harm? Does it actually create more of a viral load and you get uh, uh, contamination? You can self-contaminate, stuff like that. These are real concerns that scientists, epidemiologists have about people's use of particularly the cloth masks. But raising these questions now gets you branded as a heretic. Next up. 
The um, Oh, and by the way, he keeps using this language, confronting the virus head on. We're not actually doing that. We're not confronting the virus head on. First off, how do you even do that to a virus? Secondly, confronting the virus would not look like running into our homes and locking the doors. Just, you know, to be completely obvious about this, that's not what confronting something looks like. Confronting isn't running away. <laughs> but I digress. Next, um... We get to the uh, reporter questions, uh, the Q&A. These were all mostly speculative, uh, speculative and forward-looking questions, as they always are, because let's face it, uh, these are very easy questions to ask, and they are very uh, easy to answer. In fact, probably even more easy to answer uh, for the governor. Of course, he doesn't actually answer the questions, it just allows him to dance around uh, with his talking points and such. So I, I, I uh, pulled some of the more... Um, I don't know, illustrative, uh, instructive questions. Let's take a listen. Our first question is from Colleen Quigley, WNCN. By the way, you can hear every single time they get introduced like this, this is how the governor controls who gets to ask him questions and who doesn't. Hey, good afternoon, Governor. Thank you so much for taking my question. You talked a lot today about enforcement and strengthening enforcement, but we know that law enforcement agencies across our state have said they aren't going to enforce these guidelines. So if we continue to see a lack of enforcement and trends in the wrong direction, at what point do you say we have to go backwards in terms of the phases of reopening? <laughs> you will hear this this thread runs throughout so many reporters' questions, whether it's specific or general. When, when are we going to get worse? When's it going to get worse? When are we going to lock down further? When are we going to go backwards? Or when are we going to open? When does that happen? Can we? Can, can you tell schools when this happens? Can you tell parents when this is going to happen? It's all forward-looking. It's all predictive. And Cooper just then talked, well, you'll hear. You'll hear how he answers. More and more law enforcement across the state are beginning to recognize that it is important for them to play a role in enforcement, even if it is an informal one, going and talking to people and being leaders into, in the community. We just saw the sheriff of Halifax County who had said a few months ago that he wasn't going to enforce, is now going to enforce safety protocols. In addition, local health departments and our State Department of Health and Human Services have authority under the health laws to enforce uh, safety precautions, to make sure that we're sending the signal that this is serious and that we have to slow the spread of the virus. I'm feeling more confident that we can enforce what we have to be able to drive down our numbers. It, it really takes people working together, but I think more and pe more people are recognizing that it's important for us to do that. All right, next question. I thought this reporter actually uh, was about to cry. Our next question is from Thomas Waybrecht with WITN. Hi, Governor. Um, thank you for taking my question. I feel comfortable telling my friends, telling my family, you know, they should be wearing a mask out in public <laughs> um, whenever it's you know, required. But when I'm in the store or at a restaurant and I see others not doing that, I don't know what to tell them. What should we tell strangers or tell people who are, you know, endangering the situation uh, as someone who doesn't know them? Just <laughs> how do <laughs> how can I be a better Rolf Gruber, Governor? Please tell me. 
How can I better browbeat and scold strangers? Tell me what to say. What's the protocol? What kind of a question is this? You're a reporter, man. You're there's this there is a bit of a mindset here like this. You know, you need to listen. I'm comfortable telling people I know what to do. But when it's a stranger, I'm not really sure how to approach this person that might be bigger than I am and kick my tuchus. How do I approach them, Governor? Do you uh, help? Great question. Great question. And I know it's frustrating to be <laughs> out out there in a store or in a restaurant or seeing people who are not complying with the rules. When you're in a retail establishment, I recommend going and telling one of the employees or even more preferably the management of the retail establishment that someone is not complying with the rules. I don't think you necessarily have to take it upon yourself. And a lot of these businesses are doing more to make sure that their employees and their customers are protected. By the way, there has been zero, zero reporting or evidence or data or facts presented by the administration about businesses that are complying. There's, there has been no reporting on this whatsoever. You, we have no idea whether businesses are doing this or not. We have no idea uh, the compliance level across various industries or across the state, various settings. There's, there, we have no clue. So when he says these things like, you know, most businesses are doing this, you don't know that. He doesn't know that. The last time this question got asked was, I don't know, maybe three months ago when somebody asked him about the masks and whether they were seeing compliance. And he said, you know, me and my staff, you know, we're generally when we go out, we, you know, we see people wearing them. That was it. That was the anecdotal evidence from God knows how many people he's talking about because he doesn't do his own grocery shopping. He's not going out anywhere. Um, And so, like, we're making these decisions, these assessments about who's complying. And this is important, by the way. I'm not just nitpicking. This part's really important because uh, if you're going to say that we are slipping, that we're not complying, then I would think you would have some kind of a metric to base that off of. You would you would be able to point to like an earlier compliance level and now a lower compliance level. But they're not doing that. You know what they're saying is we see more tests or uh, sorry, we see more cases and so that means fewer people are complying. Obviously, people are not complying because if they were, our numbers would be lower, which is not deductive reasoning, by the way. That's called inductive reasoning. You already have your conclusion, and then you're working backwards. You're inducing the rationale for the outcome. That's what he's doing. Now, I know the reporters that are all you know in the press conferences and they you know they get cherry picked to ask the questions might not be aware of the difference of that kind of logic but it's pretty detrimental to truth telling and so if you consider yourself to be in the business of truth telling then you might want to learn the difference because what he's doing is playing you now i'm not sh- again i'm not sure they realize this <laughs> but it's very difficult you know it's always tough to you know to challenge the clergy of the faith here it's always difficult to do, to challenge your own clergy member. I get it. Um, here's something else you can get. A mattress at Mattress Man. Just roll on up to their warehouse, grab it, and go. 
For real. If you've got a pickup truck and you want to, or I don't know, maybe you got a box truck or something, you got a large enough vehicle, maybe you want to strap it onto the roof of the car and, you know, hold it with your hand. Always, that's always, that always is funny to me, the people driving down the road with the mattress and they got their hand on the mattress. Like, yeah, that's going to stop the mattress from flying off and, you know, landing in the road or hitting somebody in the <laughs> in their car. Um, so you can do that. You know, take safety precautions at Mattress Man, of course. They'll help you load it up and all that. You can do that yourself or what I prefer and what I had done when I got my mattress from Mattress Man, uh, I had them deliver it. Local five-star delivery service, uh, five-star and white glove. They also ship nationwide, by the way. They have a 120-day comfort guarantee. You can get any mattress uh, that you need, whether it's an inner spring, a memory foam, hybrids. They've got the Biltmore Collection uh, by Restonic. These are the mattresses that are at the Biltmore House and Inn. They've got Nature's Spa. These are the mattresses that are at Blackberry Farm in Tennessee. So, uh, what you need to do is go to mattressmanstores.com, check out the inventory, or go to any of their four stores in Asheville, Arden, and Hendersonville. Experience the difference at Mattress Man, buy local, and sleep better. So, again, the question from this reporter uh, was, uh, golly gee, governor, uh, however can we uh, you know, tell strangers to put on a mask for my safety? They're just not listening. They're not complaining. What do I do? And Governor Cooper says, well, you go to an employee uh, or better yet, you go to a manager and you tell that manager that they need to police this person. In my conversations with businesses, I've encouraged them to do this, to be forceful. A number of law enforcement have said, although we may not necessarily enforce the mask mandate itself, if we get a call from a retail establishment saying that someone is there who will not wear a mask, we will go and use our the trespassing laws to try and remove or to cite that per- person that's on the retail establishment. So I, I think you're seeing more and more businesses understand that they need their own employees protected, that they want to protect their customers, and it increases the bottom line. Because the vast majority of people who go into retail establishments want it to be safe. And the vast majority of people in this state understand that wearing a mask and social distancing will keep everybody safer. So I'd recommend telling the the management and uh, just continue to set the example as being a leader in your community. There you go, reporter. Be a leader in your community. You wear the mask during your live shot in a parking lot when there's nobody else around. That's what you can do. Wear your mask all the time. <laughs> this is Some of this stuff is just ridiculous. You know, it, it really is. And most of the masks, like now they're recommending, because I saw Joe Biden came to North Carolina and he met with Roy Cooper. And when I saw the photo or the video, actually, you know, where Cooper's talking about, don't worry, you know, we're going to drag Cal Cunningham across the finish line. Um, that's their, you know, that's the strategy. Um, but Biden was wearing two masks. For real. He was wearing two. He had the white one, the little N95 one underneath his cloth mask. So all these people walking around with cloth masks, these are the people that you're not going to be like, oh, who's wearing a mask? Oh, he's wearing a cloth mask. Like, should I start going up to people that aren't that aren't satisfactorily employing the mask? Like, if the mask is a little bit below their nose, do I need to go over and start haranguing them that you're not wearing your mask properly? Manager, manager. Governor Cooper is attempting, this is, by the way, a statement from Lieutenant Governor Dan Forrest, who says, Governor Cooper is attempting to use local governments 
to punish business and individuals doing what they can to survive. He has repeatedly said he has full authority over his COVID shutdown, which means he also gets 100% of the responsibility. Passing the buck to local businesses and municipalities is the antithesis of leadership. Forrest is right on this. And you heard it right there in that uh, answer where uh, Cooper was saying that uh, we're going to you know, encourage uh, businesses and law enforcement to be more forceful in their enforcement of these rules. So he's telling businesses, you guys need to enforce this stuff. Law enforcement, you guys need to go enforce this stuff. Not me. You know, I'm not going to uh, to make, you know, penalties even more severe. I just I'm encouraging you guys to really, you know, drop the hammer on people. It's got to happen because we need to get back to our summer of covid recovery. That never happened. <laughs> um, next up here is uh, oh another question. This one here. Um Oh, this is Cooper's response to Dan Forrest's comment. Here we go. Our next question is from Richard Craver, Winston-Salem Journal. Hello, Governor. This is Richard Craver with the Winston-Salem Journal. By, by the way, you notice every single time the reporters identify themselves right after they were identified. That's just a pet peeve. Since the announcement came out earlier today about trying to enlist the help of local governments, local communities to help reinforce the social distancing guidelines, including maybe tighter restrictions. You had Lieutenant Governor Forrest come out and basically talk about this is some sort of um, abdication of your responsibility for these restrictions. I want you to comment on that. Thank, thanks for the question. What we're doing now in working with local governments to slow the spread of the virus is no different from how we started this thing back in March and April and June. We set a floor with statewide restrictions, but at that time we also encouraged local governments that if they were seeing more viral spread in their community and if work better for their community, they could use restrictions that are greater than the state floor. And a number of our cities across the state did that. And it helped us to slow the spread of the virus. Well, then what happened? If they implemented all of these rules, why is the virus? Why, why do we keep seeing case numbers going up? Is it because now the virus is in other areas? I'm not so sure, because in a couple of minutes, you're going to hear Mandy Cohen uh, say something that kind of flies in the face of that. Um, so what you need to be prepared for is to see more enforcement actions here um, at the encouragement, but not direction, of Governor Cooper. Hi, Dawn Vaughn with the Newsman Surfer. I wanted to ask about reporting and, again, about law enforcement um, and enforcement of the mandates. Are there any going to be any penalties associated with um, agencies that, that aren't enforcing the mass or other restrictions? Well, as to law enforcement, as I mentioned earlier, some already are very engaged in this and others are uh, getting more engaged, understanding how virus spread is happening in their communities. So you're seeing more and more law enforcement talking to people, reminding them, and we're also putting uh, uh, the onus on the retail establishments to make sure that the people who are uh, or in their restaurant or grocery store or drugstore or whatever it is, that all of them are wearing the mask. 
So he, again, he just confirmed that right there. Right, he's saying we we are putting the onus on retailers to make sure everybody is masked up. So he's clearly like you can. Well, that's not an abdication of his responsibility and his authority, right? Well, kind of it is. You're saying you guys have to enforce what I'm telling you to enforce, right? Like, really, like, why not start cracking the whip here if we're really going to go down this path? Oh, I know. See, it's just a little. It's, see, this is just tyranny light. <laughs> that's all. He doesn't want. This is, by the way, this is the slippery slope that people talk about. This is it. This is what it looks like. And I'm trying not to be, you know, exaggerative. I'm trying not to be uh, chicken little about all of this. But the longer this persists and the more kind of rhetoric I hear about enforcement like this, and you're going to hear a little bit more about like abatement, more abatement enforcement, um, I'm growing more and more concerned, particularly based on what I know now about masks and what I know now about the PCR tests and the cycle thresholds. Our health departments and our Department of Health and Human Services also has authority uh, under the abatement provisions, and Dr. Cohen can talk with you a little bit more about that, but that has already been used in some circumstances, and we anticipate that that's going to be used more in the coming days, particularly working with local health departments to send a strong business, uh, send a strong signal to businesses that it's important for the health of the community and the economy of the community for them to take steps to slow the spread of the virus. So they anticipate more abatement enforcement coming from health departments against businesses. So be prepared. If you're a business owner, be prepared. If you're a business owner, you need to be prepared with a good website, too. That's one way to keep people out of your store uh, is just have a really great website. Get Schaefer Smith Design to help you with it. Okay, you know your business. You probably don't know tons about website design and maintenance, though. Schaefer Smith does. Great design can solve a lot of your website's problems. So get in touch with Schaefer, and he can help you with professional services. If you're a corporate uh, entity or small business, if you're an entrepreneur, whatever your website demands, he can help you with graphics and photos and online store, search engine optimization, website maintenance and security. He does logos like mine for the Pete Callender Show. Go to SchaeferSmith.com and get the most out of your website. That's SchaeferSmith.com. Finally, there was another question about why Governor Cooper is just being so darn lenient here. Our final question is from Brian Anderson with the Associated Press. Of course. Hi, Governor. Hi, uh, Dr. Cohen. Brian Anderson here with the Associated Press. Thanks for the time. I had a question for both of you. Uh, First, for Dr. Cohen, I understand correlation and causation aren't the same thing. And having said that, I'm just curious how the transition to phase three has contributed, if at all, to the increases in the state's key COVID metrics. Uh, And for the governor, uh, people are concerned about the rising case count hitting all-time highs of last week twice, uh, percentage of cases positive going up from around 5 to 7%. And it's it's clear that uh, there's fear of the weather conditions impacting viral spread. So why are you extending your current executive order uh, rather than tightening restrictions at a time when the science is telling you that conditions are worsening. In other words, winter, (laughs) fall and winter. It's getting cold. This is flu season starting. And so why, why shouldn't we be going backwards? That's what the AP kid is asking. Shouldn't we be going backwards? Well, first we are 
uh, pausing in phase three and we're not going forward yes. uh, with easing safeguards because of the concern that we have. Right. But that's not responsive to his question. He's saying, why wouldn't we go backwards? So Cooper's just saying this is where we are. Secondly, we're working on increased enforcement. We have safety precautions that in, that are in place that some people are not complying with. Ah, so he's saying we're not going backwards because we're instead going to try to drop some hammers on people and that we can we can we can juice the stats basically by doing, you know, keeping up the testing, but also doing more enforcement action. That's the plan rather than locking down. But I guess if the enforcement doesn't work, uh, then we're going backwards. By the way, once again, enforcement completely unmeasured by any kind of uh assessment of compliance levels we don't know right we still don't know what percentage of businesses are complying and to what extent but we're going to know the enforcement actions are working if the numbers drop which by the way you could also have the numbers drop by phasing out the pcr tests and going to the antigen tests did you know that that's one way to get the numbers to drop i wonder if that'll happen and we believe that enforcement will will help us to slow the trends. Uh, third, we're working hard to bring community leaders together and uh, re-emphasizing local government uh, authority in areas where this virus may be more of an issue than in other areas of the state. And we're hoping that all of that can help us stem the tide that we see coming at us. The good thing about our state uh, is that we have been able to uh, do a little better in saving lives and reducing the number of infections because of the strong actions that we have taken. And we want to be careful about how we approach this along the way. But we know that these numbers are not where we want them to be. We aren't in the, in the middle of a spike, and we haven't seen one yet in this process, uh, largely due to the people's persistence out there and to the strong action that we've taken. But we will continue to watch these trends, and we'll do whatever is necessary. And I'll let Dr. Whatever Cohen is necessary. The phase three. All right. Hi, Brian. Thanks for the question about do phase, did, did phase three contribute to the increase in our numbers? And, and what I'd say is I go back and look at our trends over the last number of weeks. Mm -hmm. We know that it takes some time some t for an action like uh, easing of restrictions for phase three for them to show up in our numbers. And actually, our trends started to go up. Um, uh, you know, over these three weeks. And so I think that phase three may have a piece of this, but it's not exclusively related to, to phase three. This is divination is what she's doing. She doesn't know. She's not saying, yes, we know for certain. They don't know for certain. They don't know, but it does stand to reason. I'm not saying it's an illogical assessment that the guy from the AP says, hey, you know, you opened stuff up three weeks ago. Hey, does this have any kind of an impact on the numbers that we're seeing increasing? And she's like, yeah, probably a part of it, but we don't know. See, and they don't know how much of a part of it it is. But now she's saying that it doesn't really have that much. It's a piece of it, but it's not the whole story. Okay, well, how big of a piece do you know? And here's the thing. If it's a big piece, lock them down again, right? If it's a small piece, then let them open. Then why did you keep them closed for so long? See, they're trying to walk this line of of uh, advancing a narrative that every single decision that they have made has been the correct decision. That's what they're trying to tell us. And any kind of 
uh, statement that might undermine that hurts them politically. That's the political reality that is occurring here. They cannot say they made any mistakes. So every decision they have made has to have been the correct decision. So all evidence must be pointing towards that conclusion. Again, inductive reasoning, not deductive reasoning. I think largely what we are seeing is is a combination, as I was mentioning before, of folks that are fatigued. They're not doing the three W's. They're not, not uh, particularly in... Uh, social and informal gatherings. Uh, we need to be sure that we're being vigilant and uh, doing the three W's there. So it's our fault. We are fatigued. We're tired of it. We're just not doing it anymore. And look, I agree. I think that's probably part of it. I think the weather is also probably part of it. You know what I think is the biggest part, though? It's a virus. And because it's a virus, it's going to spread and it's going to mutate and we're going to build up immunities and stuff. That's what happens. I mean, human beings have lived with viruses for, I think, our entire existence. And again, I'm not minimizing the severity, the seriousness of it. People die from it. But we're better at treating it now, and we'll keep getting better at treating it, as we do with all diseases that we discover, quote-unquote. All viruses that erupt and spread, we get better at treating this stuff. Now, speaking of getting better at treating stuff, uh, have you tried CBD oil? I use it. I take some every night before I go to bed. I take growers hemp. Okay, It was created by farmers in North Carolina who knew that they could make small farming work for their families, right? but also help people like me, like you, on our wellness journey. Okay, So their business model is pretty simple. They succeed as farmers when uh, you succeed and when I succeed, when everyone succeeds in our wellness. That's the, that's the plan. That's the model. Um, and uh, that's why you get the best quality at a price that's really, really affordable. If you've ever tried CBD oil, you know what I'm talking about. Some of the prices that uh, these companies charge are just crazy. Uh, people take CBD for all sorts of reasons. As I said, I take it before I go to bed. And when I fall asleep, I sleep deeper than I ever have in my life. Um So what are you looking for? You're looking for immune system resilience, deeper sleep, lower tension, a balanced state of mind, and a positive mental outlook? Well, the natural alternative grower's hemp full-spectrum hemp extract. Add it to your daily routine and discover what your reasons are. Uh, For example, Leslie, she said, I do like the taste the light berry, she says it's not overpowering. They've got great flavors for their uh, CBD oil, if you've ever had it. I like their natural flavor. I joke, I say it tastes like bong water, and they ask me how I know that, and I say I refuse to tell you. But um, that's this is from an actually these are from actual listeners, these testimonials from listeners to this show who have been participating in a focus group. The best quality at a price that's affordable because they control the whole process at Growers Hemp. From the seed all the way to the shelf, Growers Hemp maintains complete control so you get the best for lower prices and they're north carolina uh, owned and operated okay look for their ad in our state magazine it's on stands now you can also find it on the shelves at broad river hemp company in shelby or by going to growershemp.com that's growershemp.com use the promo code pete and get 20 percent off from north carolina farmers to your home growers hemp it's about the hemp not the hype All right, I've got audio from Andrew Cuomo that goes to this fear factor that guides these decisions. Uh, First, the Pew Research Center data uh, that shows media consumption uh, 
among Americans correlates with how they believe America handled the pandemic. So you've got people who are Republicans, Republican leaners that uh, consume only Fox News and talk radio versus same group, Republicans and leaners that consume other media. And in that group, Republicans, 90 percent of them believe that, quote, America has controlled the outbreak as much as it could have. When you start looking at other groups that uh, consume different media, those numbers decline down to uh, 46% of those who only use other sources. Okay, so if you're a Republican or a leaner and you don't watch Fox, don't listen to talk radio, 46% of them uh, believe that we could have done better. Meanwhile, you go over to the Democratic side, Democrat leaners as well, 97% say we didn't do as well as we could have. Only 3% said that uh, America controlled the outbreak as much as it could have. Uh, the same dichotomy manifested itself when the question was whether the outbreak was overblown. 70%, uh, sorry, 78% of Republican Fox talk radio partisans agree. Only 9% of Democrats uh, agree with that statement that the uh, outbreak was overblown. Um Speaking of overblown, that's the kind of price you're going to pay for some of the uh, warm weather gear that you find at the outdoor stores. What? Don't spend that kind of money like that. Go to Old Grouch's Military Surplus and get military-grade thermal underwear, wool socks, military field jackets, woolen fleece toboggans, uh, Gore-Tex jackets. Old Grouch's has everything you need for the wintertime, whether you work outside or you're a hunter. It's heavy-duty, warm clothing, a lot cheaper than you're going to find at most outdoor stores as well. They also have ammo cans, great for storage, for tools, or, you know, obviously ammo or anything makes a great Christmas gift. Um, head on over to oldgrouch.com or go to the store. It's open Monday through Saturday. Old Grouch's Military Surplus on Main Street in downtown Clyde, uh, oldgrouch.com. So Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York, got uh, recorded on a phone call. He was talking with some uh, rabbis, some Hasidic Jews in New York that were very upset about uh, the latest round of uh, shutdowns and lockdowns that Mayor de Blasio was imposing. Uh, so there was a publication called um, Hamodia. They recently published an article which contains a half-hour-long audio clip of a private phone conversation that was recently held between New York State Governor Andrew Cuomo and various rabbinim, rabbinim I don't know how to pronounce this, uh, rabbis, clergymen, in the community. I'm not going to play the whole clip, but here, or, or the whole you know half-hour uh, conversation. Here's the relevant part. Rabbi, Rabbi, I'll ask, uh, let me make a comment and let us talk this over. I don't disagree with you. Uh, and look, I, I'm 100% frank and candid. Uh, this is not a highly nuanced, sophisticated response. This is a fear-driven response. Hmm. You know, this is not a policy being written by a scalpel. This is a, a policy being cut by uh, a hatchet. It's just a very blunt uh, I didn't propose this, you know. It was proposed by the mayor uh, in the city. I'm trying to uh, sharpen it and make it better. But it's out of fear. People see the numbers going up. Uh, close everything. Close everything. Uh, it's not the best way to do it. But it is uh, a fear-driven response. The, the virus scares people. Hopefully, we get the numbers down.
test the schools and close the ones that have a problem. I know, but uh, first, I don't know that we have the resources to do that now, but I can tell you honestly, uh, the, the fear is too high uh, to do anything other than uh, let's do everything we can to get the infection rate down now, uh, close the doors, close the windows. That's where we are. Uh, Commissioner, do you want to add something? I think that that's exactly the point. That last voice you heard there was the Commissioner of Health for the state of New York, Howard Zucker. It's about the fear. That That is, what do they call it? This is the uh, the Kinsley rule, right? Isn't that the Kinsley rule where a gaffe in, in politics is, you know, inadvertently saying an honest thing? That's a moment of honesty right there. Andrew Cuomo, when he's talking to these rabbis and they're making logical, cogent points like, look, you're shutting us down. We but, you know, our schools where, you know, we have these rabbinical schools, we have, you know, these uh, Hasidic schools, whatever. And like you're stopping us from doing these things, but we don't have these outbreaks. Uh, We're not having them. And uh, you're infringing on us. Why not target the areas where it's happening? And Cuomo's like, you know, you're right, but we can't. Because the fear that's out there is just too great. So I'm sorry, Jews. People are afraid of you. So we have to send you uh, on lockdown, (laughs) which is quite a message to send to Jewish people, given the history and all. Um, But I wonder, like, would you have ever would he have ever said that in public? No, because he hasn't. Nobody has. Nobody in position of authority making these decisions. Nobody has made these kinds of announcements uh, or uh, explanations. Cooper's never offered any kind of an explanation like this. There is fear that is driving a lot of these decisions, and we're all pretending that it's not. And that's okay that fear can be part of this. I'm not saying that it's not completely irrational. But it has to be identified so we can guard against it infecting every decision in a negative way. That's a wrap for this episode. Remember, subscribe to the podcast. I appreciate that. Uh, Become a patron of the program. Get cool stuff and exclusive content. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk with you later. Don't break anything while I'm gone.